Hello, Open Arms. It is so great to be with you today and looking forward to speaking to you and sharing with you this word from Galatians chapter 2. If you want to turn with me there in your Bibles, on your phones, whatever you have. Galatians chapter 2, verses 16 through 21. This is the Apostle Paul, just as we looked at these, uh, a portion of scripture last week in Galatians chapter 1. Continuing on in Galatians chapter 2, he's writing to the church in Galatia, a congregation of Christians. And also he's writing about a certain situation that happens between himself, Paul, and Peter, the disciple of Jesus. And he reads in verse 16, Yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. The law here in in what we do in order to be clean, to be made right with God, what we do, what we don't do, who we are, who we aren't. He says, and we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law, by what you do. But suppose we seek to be made right with God through faith in Christ, and then we are found guilty because we have abandoned the law. Would that mean Christ has led us into sin? Absolutely not. Rather, I am a sinner. If I rebuild the old system of law, I already tore down. For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all its requirements so that I might live for God. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. I want to speak to you today on the title, Jesus Plus Nothing. Jesus Plus Nothing. The greatest threat to the gospel in our lives and in our church is a Jesus Plus mentality. You know, as Christians, we tend to understand that the gospel gets us in. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ But what keeps us in is our own performance and our own effort. It's like, you know, we are saved by what Jesus has done for us, but we have to hold on to our salvation by being good people, doing good things, and living according to the law. And what happens is we add to the gospel of grace rather than accepting the gospel for as simple as it is. And therefore, we begin living by Jesus plus. Jesus plus my achievements. Jesus plus my behavior. Jesus plus my reputation and my success. Jesus plus my personal progress. Jesus plus my spiritual disciplines. How, how, How much I read the Bible and how much I pray and worship God. And what happens is we live a Christian life where it becomes Jesus plus X. Fill in the blanks. But there is only one equation that matters and that is Jesus plus nothing. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus anything equals nothing. God is calling us to live a Jesus plus nothing life and gospel. We we cannot add to the gospel. We must accept the gospel for what it is. And the gospel is we have been saved by grace 
by what Jesus Christ has accomplished on the cross for us. Our salvation is not determined by what we do or who we are, but by what Jesus has done for us. And God, I just thank you that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. God, I thank you that it was not for us just to be saved, to get in, but it keeps us. Your grace sustains us. It is sufficient for us. And I pray today as we study your word and we hear your word that you would reveal again to us that your grace is for us and reveal to us the truth of the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, last week we, we looked at receiving the revelation of Jesus and, and relying on the grace of God to, to really, rather than ourselves, relying on his grace. And, you know, it's so relevant today because we are seeing many Christians drift and turn away from Jesus. And this is either because they have forgotten or never truly received the revelation of Jesus. Now what is equally detrimental to our Christian lives and even those of us who may attend church and try and live a certain way but what is detrimental is to begin living according to a different truth that it is the actual gospel. It's actually drifting away from the truth by adding to the gospel where it becomes Jesus plus. One of the reasons that we do this and this has been a definitely a struggle of mine in, in recent years and attention that I've got to manage is because for all of us, we, are, we have got a desire within us and a determination to want more and to achieve more. Where our mission in life becomes about how much more successful that I can be, where we are searching for success in our relationships, whether that for me is with with my wife, with my children, with my friends, with my colleagues. It may even be uh, searching for success in, in my finances and in my possessions, in my church for you. It may be in your career. And, and, and also within us, it can be a searching for success within our, our confidence and our security and our wisdom and becoming more mature. But we are we have this desire within us for more. And what happens is we are constantly seeking for and searching after and striving for success. And this is the way of life. It's the way in which our world is built. We're all working towards something, becoming better people and living in such a way that we can have more. In fact, it was how we are naturally designed to want and desire more. We're taught from an early age that we need to learn and develop and grow so that we will become more successful so that we can actually get what we want. It's, it's all designed, the world is designed in such a way that we are to progress, that we are to develop, and we are to search after more. Now what this does within us is it causes a restlessness within us, where we are no longer content with what we have and who we are and who we are with because we're all searching for this more and searching after success. And St. Augustine, he wrote this prayer to the Lord. He says, you made us for yourself. You see, the desire for more can only be found in Jesus. He says, you made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. You know, we're all looking for that more, for success, for rest to our souls to find that we, we matter. We want our life to mean something. 
We don't want to be left behind. We don't want to be forgotten. We want to be remembered. We want our life to add up for something. But what happens is we search for something and we search for someone to bring that fulfillment in our life. But only Jesus can fulfill for us what we truly need and desire. The truth is this, that that we can only find rest in Jesus Christ. Jesus plus nothing. Not Jesus plus my hopes and dreams. Not Jesus plus my achievements and my success. Not Jesus plus my, my work ethic and my, my ambitions, but Jesus plus nothing. You see, when we operate out of a Jesus plus gospel and Christian faith, it becomes all about us. And this Jesus plus gospel, it only leads one way and it leads towards slavery. Slavery towards what I do and who I am and who I am becoming. But the true gospel, Jesus plus nothing, leads to freedom. Freedom for it's no longer about what I do, it's about what Jesus has done for me. And I live out of that place. I I lead my life out of that place. I am fulfilled in Jesus, therefore I can live my life and have success and have more and enjoy those things and be content because my contentment is not found in those things. My contentment is found in Jesus Christ. You see, the true gospel leads to freedom because it's all about what Jesus has done. And he says, it is done. It is finished. Jesus plus leads to slavery. Jesus plus nothing leads to freedom. We see in the scripture that which we've just read, it's this setting is set in Antioch of Syria. It had become the headquarters for the Gentile church and it was the base of operations for Paul as he, as he traveled around Europe and Asia Minor preaching and planting churches and he used this area to keep coming back to in Antioch of Syria. Now at this time, there was a theological battle going on within the Christian faith. And of course, it is quite new. Jesus has, has come, lived on the earth. He's died, resurrected, and ascended into heaven. He's, he sent out his apostles into the world to begin preaching the gospel from Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And we see that there's a theological battle going on because we've got on one side the Judaizers. Those who've come from the Jewish religion have come into the Christian faith, but, but they're quite... They've brought along their religiosity and the the legalism that that they had from their Jewish religion. And they begin accusing Paul of watering down the gospel and making it more about the gospel of grace and, and making it easier for Gentiles, those who are not Jews, Gentiles to be able to accept Christ. Now Paul at the same time, he is accusing the Judaizers of actually adding to the gospel and making it so that the Gentiles must obey the law and follow the law and live out the cultural customs of the Jewish traditions. And and what happens is this argument comes to a climax as we see that Peter... You remember Peter, Jesus, he, he, he walked by Jesus, he denied Jesus, he was the one who is now set as the leader of the Jewish uh, Christian faith, and we have Paul who is the leader of the Gentile Christian faith, both taking responsibility for that, those people, and then we have the Judaizer following, and we have some of the Gentile Christians, they're all coming together for a meal. They're gathering together and they're discussing this theological debate. And what happens in this moment is is an argument 
breaks out because Paul sees something that he does not like. He sees something that is opposite to the gospel that he's preaching. And so we pick it up in verse 11, just a few verses before the scripture that we write in verse 16 in chapter 2. It says, But when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face, for what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile Christians who were not circumcised. But afterward, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. Now, circumcision was a requirement of every Jewish male as it was a sign that you were made clean and acceptable according to the ceremonial laws found in the Old Testament, the times of Moses. And now, according to the eyes of the Lord, you were made clean because of circumcision. In verse 13, it says, as a result... Other Jewish Christians followed Peter's hypocrisy. And even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. When I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel. This is so key because what is detrimental to our faith is not just truly receiving the revelation of Jesus, but actually drifting away from the truth of the gospel message. He says, I said to Peter in front of all the others, since you, a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow the Jewish traditions? What he's doing here is he's adding to the gospel and he's creating Jesus plus. And we see here Paul, as we looked at last week, he's so passionate about preaching the true gospel. Here he is hopping mad because he's seeing these Jews, he's seeing these people who are coming into this Christian faith along with the Gentiles and Peter, that they're adding to the gospel, they're turning the true gospel in which Jesus preached and they're, they're leading others astray from the truth of the gospel. And he's particularly disappointed and angry at Peter as a leader as an example, because he is undermining the message that Paul is preaching to the, to the Gentiles. And we see that Peter is becoming more concerned about what others think of him and not being criticized by him. So therefore, he decides to lean on the side of a different gospel rather than actually preaching the true gospel and welcoming the Gentile converts into Christianity. Now, why is this relevant for us today? Well, we see in this moment that Paul, he begins arguing with Peter and begins preaching to him and he begins outlining the true gospel. And today I want to share with you really three truths of the gospel of grace, three truths of Jesus plus nothing. And it is so relevant for us today as, as we're regathering in church, as we're coming back to re-establishing the disciplines of church and being in fellowship and community with one another, many of us have begun drifting away from the truth of the gospel. Many of us have been living according to the faith that is Jesus plus me, but we need to come back to the truth of the gospel, which is Jesus plus nothing. And here's the first truth that I want to share with you is this. We are justified through faith. We are justified through faith. Verse 15, Paul again is speaking to Peter. He says, you and I are Jews by birth, not sinners like the Gentiles. Yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. 
And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law, for no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. The NIV says it like this, we may be justified through faith in Christ and not by the works of the law because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Here Paul is saying that we will not be made right with God, not justified by what we do by the works of the law, but we are made right with God. We are justified through faith in Christ alone. We are justified through faith alone. And when we are justified, it is that our sins are washed away. It is just as if I had never sinned. Scripture says that God literally throws our sins into the sea of forgetfulness. He does not just forgive us of our sins, but he forgets our sins. This is so important because justification through faith alone, is central to the Christian faith. And this is what Paul has been preaching to the Gentile Christians, and this is what everyone has been arguing and debating about. Essentially, the dispute was about cleanliness. The Jews did not eat with the Gentiles as they saw them as being unclean. And you had to be clean to worship God. You had to be clean to come into the presence of God. And Paul is reminding Peter that it is through Christ that we are made clean. You see, the Judaizers were living according to the Old Testament law, and it deemed you as clean by only practicing ceremonial laws, and that only if you practice these laws, then you would be acceptable in the eyes of God. But Jesus Christ, he came to bring us freedom through the cross. And now all we have to do to be made clean is to place our faith in Jesus. Essentially, to be justified is to be made clean. To be justified is to be made acceptable in the eyes of our Lord. The opposite of justified is not just to be unclean, but it is to be under condemnation. When we are no longer justified, we are condemned. Justification means that in Jesus, though we are sinners, we are no longer under condemnation. It means that God accepts us despite our sin. That we are no longer sinners, but we are sinners saved by grace. We are no longer condemned for what we do, but we are justified through Jesus Christ alone. Here's the second truth of the gospel, is that we are sanctified by grace. We are sanctified by grace. Paul continues speaking to Peter and writing to the church in Galatians, speaking to us in verse 17. He says, but suppose we seek to be made right with God through faith in Christ. And then we are found guilty because we have abandoned the law. Would that mean that Christ has led us into sin? Absolutely not. Rather, I am a sinner if I rebuild the old system of law I already tore down. For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all its requirements so that I might live for God. So we understand we have been justified through faith. Our sins are made clean. They are washed away once we place our faith in Jesus Christ. But then, then I continue to sin. Then I continue to do wrong. And I come before God time and time again and I ask for his forgiveness. I receive his forgiveness. And then I continue to sin. What happens is we can start to feel unholy. We can start to feel impure. What happens is we struggle to come before God. We struggle to worship God. 
We struggle to spend time in prayer with God. We struggle to come before God because we feel unclean. We feel dirty. We feel under condemnation. We feel unworthy. We feel that we've wronged God and we've been living a life of sin because of our humanness. And what happens is we believe that we are no longer worthy to come before God. Many people have fallen away from Jesus in this season because they believe the lie that they are no longer worthy to come into the presence of Jesus. And so what happens is we start to do good things. We start to become good people. We start to, to please God and by doing whatever we can do to make us holy unto God. What happens is we start to once again live in slavery according to the law we start to live in slavery according to what I do. We start to live as slaves of God rather than sons and daughters of God. And I know this is how you felt many, many times. You maybe have been on a certain path and living a certain way with God and feeling strong and at peace and everything is going well, but then you sin, you mess up, you fail, you make mistakes. And you feel impure, you feel unholy, you feel dirty, and you feel that, that you, you are unworthy before God. So you enter into the act of sanctification. To be sanctified is to be made holy and to be made sacred. And our natural tendency is to be sanctified by works. To be sanctified by doing good things, by being good people, by being made holy by what we do. But the truth is we are only sanctified by God's grace. The same grace that saved me is the same grace that keeps me. It is the same grace that made you holy. It's the same grace that you can keep coming back to that makes you holy once more before the eyes of the Lord. It is the same grace that makes you righteous before him because of your faith in Jesus Christ. We are made holy not by works, but only by God's grace. In verse 19, Paul says, For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all its requirements so that I might live for God. Paul died to the law as a way of being sanctified. He died to the law's condemnation. The same is true for us that we are no longer made holy through what we do. We need to die to the law. Die of making ourselves uh, the center of our lives and the center of our faith. And in fact, die to that so that we can live in grace. And here's the third and final truth is this, is that we are crucified with Christ. Verse 20 says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. We die to sin. We die to ourselves. We are crucified with Christ so that we may be made alive with Christ. Now that Christ's life is my life, Christ's past is my past. This means that I am free from condemnation because my old self has been crucified with Christ and my new self is alive in Christ. This means that I am loved by God as if I had lived the life Christ lived. This means that my life is no longer in Sean Booth. My life is in Jesus Christ. I have been crucified with Christ so that I can be made alive again. Remember that Paul is speaking to Peter here. 
He's saying and reminding Peter that as we've been saved by grace, we should continue to live in grace and not return to the law, to not return to the way things were. He says in verse 21, for if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. The NIV says it like this, if righteousness could be gained through the law, through what we do, then Christ died for nothing. You cannot combine the law and works, and works and grace. You cannot combine the law and grace. You cannot combine freedom and slavery. We cannot live by Jesus plus nothing. For if being made right by works is true, then Christ's death is meaningless. So we must never try to be made right in God's eyes. But we need to live and rely on the grace of God through Jesus Christ. Can you imagine for a moment? Imagine your house is burning down and you get out safely and I meet you at the house and I say, I want to show you how much I love you. I'm going to run into the house and rescue you. And I run into the house and I die in the burning fire. You would say, why? That, that's pointless. Why would he do that? We were saved already. But now imagine that you were in the burning house and I say to you, let me show you how much I love you. And I run into the home and I, I rescue you and I rescue your entire family, but I die in the fire. You would say, wow, he sacrificed his life for us. He gave his life up so that we may live. The same is true for our faith in Jesus Christ. If we could save ourselves by what we could do for ourselves, then Christ's death was pointless. Christ died for nothing. But if we realize that we cannot save ourselves, and no matter what we do, Christ's death will mean everything to us. We will spend our lives wanting to give God praise and worshiping and serving him because of what he has done, not by what we have done. What happens is we will live amazed at God's grace. We will live in true freedom. We will live every day relying on God's grace and believing that our Christian faith is Jesus plus nothing. I wonder if you could just close your eyes and bow your heads with me for a moment. I just want to pray over you first and then I want to give you an opportunity to pray with me. And Lord, I just... I thank you, God, that we've been saved by your grace. What I pray for every person who's watching, who's listening, and they're struggling in their own sin, they're struggling in their own strength. God, I pray right now that you would just pour out your grace upon them, that they would know that they've been justified through faith, sanctified by grace, and they've been crucified with Christ. Their old self is dead. Their new self is born again. And Lord, I pray that you would give us the grace to believe in you and to live according to your son, Jesus Christ. I just want to give you an opportunity right now in this moment to give your life to Jesus. Would you just pray this very simple prayer with me? And that's all it is. It's just a prayer of surrender. Just say with me, Jesus, I give you my life. I am a sinner. And I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. Will you become the Lord of my life? In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you pray that prayer for the first time today, you are, you are entering into the kingdom of heaven. Scripture says that the, the heavens, 
the angels in heaven are praising because of you entering into the kingdom of God. Really want to encourage you to reach out to us. You can go to openarms.e forward slash connect and there you'll see a very simple form and just fill out your details, tick the box. I'm committing my life to Jesus and we'll connect with you this week and help you on this journey to make it not just a one-time decision, but one that will live for the rest of your life. I just want to pray for you as we enter back into one worship song. I pray, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and give you his peace, his grace, his love and his mercy. In Jesus' name, amen.